This is the Houston Coaches Podcast, where we honor the legacy of Houston area football and promote growth within the coaching profession through conversations with the greatest Houston area coaches of the past, present, and future. Brought to you by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Welcome to the Houston Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Gomez, and we're back with another episode in the hopes that we can use the wisdom and experiences of past and present Houston area coaches to help guide those of us who are now charged with leading programs of our own and are navigating through the rapidly changing landscape of high school football, as well as to leave a blueprint of success for those future campus and district leaders who are in the early stages of their journey. All right, our guest today is Coach Greg McKay from Side Creek High School. Great to have you on the show, Coach. Well, I appreciate it, Andres. Um, anything I can do to help, I'm always willing to do so. All right. Thank you so much. Now, uh, first off, you know, we always like to start by just learning the details of, of your playing and coaching career. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm really old. So my <laughs> playing career is a long time ago. You know, um, I ended up uh, I played football in Louisiana. And uh, once I finished with my high school days, I was pretty well done as a player. So, uh, you know, so I guess mostly is about coaching. And so I've been coaching. Um, golly. 41 years. I uh, started did a couple of years in Louisiana. Then I've been here in, in Texas, started off in Spring Branch. At, in my one year of uh, middle school, I did at Memorial Middle School. And then at that time, it was called Memorial Junior High. And then I went from there to Memorial High School. And then uh, from there to Langham Creek. And I was there for eight years. And I got a opportunity to be the head coach at Giddings. And so I went there for three years. And then I was the head coach at uh, Houston Stratford for two. And after that, I've been at uh, Side Creek for now going on my 23rd year. Wow. That's impressive. Uh, <laughs> it's just a lot of time. <laughs> was, was Coach Koch at Memorial when, when you were there? He was at Memorial when I was there. He was the defensive coordinator and um, hadn't changed a lick. <laughs> <laughs> He's the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Uh, now, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot in our show is, is just the, the, the value of, of mentorship and, and, and the, the idea that us coaches, you know, can't really get too far without the help of others. So who would you consider some of your mentors when you were coming through and, and what are some lessons that you learned from them? Oh, golly. Well, I've, I've been blessed in my career in that um, before I became a head coach, uh, when I was at Lang Creek, I worked for Dennis Damo and I did that for eight years and Dennis was phenomenal and he's a great guy you know, um, and he, uh, allowed me to do a great many things. He was one of those kind of guys that if you, if you were willing to work, he would give you opportunities to work. And mm -hmm. so, uh, that's been, that's been a blessing. And then, but probably the greatest mentor I've had is literally, uh, my father-in-law because he was the head coach at Memorial high school, um, before I married his daughter and, um, you know, he's been able, you know, I, I met, his daughter, my wife now of 34 years, um, when I was at Memorial. And so I've had a, a close and personal relationship with Wayne Hooks for a long, long, long time. And, you know, he was a longtime head coach at Memorial, then opened up Side Falls High School after he coached at Rice. And, you know, he had, so he had been in Spring Branch, had been in uh, Cypher. And um, anytime I had some issues and people that I needed you know, to ask questions about or, or anything like that. He was, a, he was a great resource for me to go to. And even now I can go to him. And so that's been great. And then of course I've got, you know, 
coaching buddies that I've been around for a long, long, long time, guys like David Snookhouse and, mm-hmm. and, and that. And, and so, you know, the, you're exactly right. In this business, it's not as much as what you know is who you know and in terms of advancement. So those guys have been awesome in terms of me being able to bounce ideas and thoughts off of them. And uh, I hopefully I'm carrying on that same tradition, you know, by mentoring and helping out some of the coaches that work for me or that I've gotten to know, you know, through competition. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, and I, I know you, you and I have you know, been working together for the last four years in this district. And you know, I definitely look up to you and, and I you know, appreciate what you do. And, and you always have some, some great insight for me. Um, and but as far as, you know, coaches on your staff, uh, what, what are some things that you do for them to help them grow as coaches? Uh, if somebody, for somebody that you think might be, you know, a coordinator, head coach one day. Well, Andres, I think probably the biggest thing is you've got to give them responsibilities and then you've got to let them do it. Uh, most of us as head coaches, and you'll appreciate this, are micromanagers. We want to do everything because we do everything. We know it's going to be done to our satisfaction. But I think at some point you've got to say, okay, this is your responsibility and you've got to back up and you've got to let them go ahead and do, you know, what you assign them to do. And then once you do that, you still monitor them. You don't just, you know, cut them loose and forget about them, but you, you have to give people roles. So, We've got a number of people on, on my staff that have, that I've promoted to head coaches in different sports, and um, I believe in giving people the responsibility to do the job and giving them the autonomy to do it, uh, full well knowing that I've got the last word if need be, but you know, if I've got a defensive coordinator, uh, I've got him there for a reason. And so he's responsible for that defensive side of the ball, and, and he's going to do the things that he needs to, to, to do, and I'm going to hold him accountable uh, but he's going to learn to manage people, though. He's going to learn to, you know, to, to develop scheme. He's going to learn to to problem solve. And then I'm going to give him responsibilities along the way. Um, so much of being a head coach is, is, is all the paperwork and all the, the district mm-hmm. requirements you've got to do. So I, I assign, really, I assign all of those things, those critical things you've got to do prior to starting a season to my staff full well knowing that I'm, I'm ultimately responsible for it. And so I'll go back and, and spot check on the things they do, but eligibility forms and, and, and things of that nature and, you know, equipment and all that kind of stuff. I give them the opportunity to do it and then let them do it. And, and, and full well knowing that everybody's going to make a mistake here and there, you know, but if you don't make any mistakes, you'll never learn. So really, I guess to answer your question in full, give them an opportunity to do things, you know, mentor them, show them, you know, when, when they make mistakes, answer questions for them. And get out of their way. You know, uh, I've been blessed with some really solid people who have done a phenomenal job in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's and and you said it, it's hard to learn. It's hard to learn to learn that that skill of being able to let, let go of something. You know, when when you're given the responsibility <laughs> of being a head coach, you, you kind of you know you you feel that pressure of everything comes back to me, and so you you want to you know kind of it's almost like like second nature to be hands on and, and try to be involved in everything, but, but you do kind of have to learn to, to back off because you can't do it all by yourself. And that's not, you can't, that's, and that's you can't have good people, you know, and, and if you do, I mean, you could do it, I assume, but you're never going to go home, you know, and you're going to be miserable and, and the people around you are going to feel like they're not doing their part. You know, I've found that when, once I give people more and more responsibilities, I'm amazed at how many times they step up and really impress me. So I, I think you and I are on the same page in that regard. Let them do it, yep. you know, and then, and then, you know, focus on the big picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, it, you know, as far as, you know, when somebody does, you know, take that next step and, and become, you know, a, a more of a leadership role of head coach, uh, coordinator, uh, 
what, what, what's the most valuable advice you could give that person once they get into that role as far as how to, how to approach things in order to be successful? Well, I think that, uh, and that's a great question, but I think that at first there are certain minimums to every job. There are certain things you have to do. And regardless of your coaching style or personality, you have to do them. And so, you know, that's the responsibility of me as the campus leader and the, and the head coach of the program, you know, to, to hold their feet to the fire and make sure they'll do those things. But beyond that, each person, and the, probably the most significant advice to get everybody is you be you. You know, if, if you're a, if you're a plotter and, and, you know, a meticulous guy will be a plotter and a meticulous guy. If you're a hollerer and a, and, and a screamer, will be a holler and a screamer because the first thing the kids will notice is when you're not you, you know, you have to be, you have to be true to your personality. You have to be true to the way you do things. And, and I, I think about, for instance, at our school within our boys track program, I've probably had in my tenure here, I've probably had five coaches and they've all had track coaches and they've all been football coaches and they've all done it significantly different. And they've all won district championships, every one of them. Mm -hmm. And they've all done it their way. And that's, that's the message I give to everybody is you gotta, you gotta be who you are and do things the way that you, you know, can identify with so that you're able to, to structure the program in a way that suits your personality. You know, it becomes their assistance, the responsibility of the assistance of most head coaches to adapt to your personality, you know, and at the same time, knowing that you've got it, you've got to meet people halfway, but it's like a guy that gets, that's a really good play caller in offense. And it says, well, I'm going to give up, I'm going to give up play calling because I'm going to spend all my time, you know, with a bird's eye view of the program. Well, you know, the, to me, that's kind of denying the strength of who you are, you know, be, be yourself and, and play to your strengths. And then, and then supplement everything else around you. So I, I think that be who you are, you know, don't, don't try to fool anybody. Don't try to emulate somebody else's style because you can only be, you can only be as effective as, as your own personality allows you to be. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's something, you know, as, as I said earlier, that, that that's also something that you, you figure out pretty quick. When, when, when you're not doing it right, you know, because it is exhausting. You know, it's, it's exhausting <laughs> it to, is exactly when you right. think, you know, I got to do what Bill Belichick does. I got to do what Nick Saban does. And you're not Bill yeah. Belichick. You're not Nick Saban. And so, so it wears you out because you're, you're trying to be some, you know, the, the old round peg in the square hole situation. So uh, I agree so. with it. You know, you got to, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. You know, I've got some guys that are they're great organizers, but they're not great, you know, people people if that makes any sense yeah. and then you know you know vice versa and, and hey man if let's say they're they're the kids love them and they're and they're phenomenal with people and and, and you know they just flock to him like the pied piper but he's awful with paperwork give him an assistant that's really good at that you know and then and then let that guy go be his go be him and mm -hmm. then and or her or whatever the case may be and it works out really well but uh, i found that out real fast and not only that nobody's more perceptive about about judging adults than kids yeah you know and if you're trying to if you're trying to pretend that you're somebody you're not they're not going to listen to you anyway you know so i think you have to be true to your own personality yeah uh, that, that's that's great advice that, that, that's something that you know everybody can can take and, and we all we all need to look in the mirror and make sure that we're doing that ourselves you know uh, well there, there you know there's quite a bit of self-reflection in it and, I, and you've done you've been a head coach now for enough time to know that that every season you go back and look at what did i do right what did i do wrong mm -hmm. you know and 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 
you know, if, if you haven't identified within you, you know, your personal standards and the way you want the program to be and the way you want to shape it, well, then everything else you do is really irrelevant until you kind of come up with the standards that you believe in and the way the things you believe in and the doctrines that, that you can support. Well, then you're basically wasting your time. Yeah. In my opinion. Uh, no, I, that's that's very, very true. It's, it's been true in my, in my experience as well, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as far as, you know, football on the field stuff, um, what would you say, you know, offensively or defensively, what would you say your favorite scheme or play is? And, and what is its purpose? <laughs> well, probably, generally, my favorite scheme is the one that works the best. You know? <laughs> um, and that changes every year. And really, I mean, I'm being flippant, but really, uh there are years, you know, that, that I, I literally uh, adopt that philosophy. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to call, and I'm an offensive guy. I've been calling plays for 40 years. But, you know, I'm going to call those things that, number one, our kids can execute at a high level. And number two, I know the answers for if the defense is taking it away. You know, so, you know, in specific, you know, you can say, all right, the running game, well, you can take something as generic as is, I'm a big believer in inside zone. And I am. You know, that's something that, that, you know, I feel like I've got answers to because we play some really, really, really smart people mm-hmm. and they can take away the inside zone from you if they want to. And that's, that's, that's not a, it's not the end of the world, but at least I have enough comfort with it, enough familiarity with it that I know how to solve the problems when they're presented to me, you know, and, and if we got to talking about, for instance, um, throwing the ball and, and, you know, let's say quick game. Well, I think arguably the best, quick game route in the history of the world is, is double slants, you know, just because I think it has answers for a lot of things and there are tags you can build off of it. But, you know, some years we're great at throwing double slants and some years we stink and we're really good at throwing, say, for instance, fade flat, you know? So really what I'd like to think is, is I I'm adaptable enough that, you know, I'm going to play to the strengths of my players, you know, um, it, it, on defense, if, if we've got a, a bunch of really, really, really skilled athletes, you know, on the perimeter, then we're probably going to play a lot of man and heat you up. If we're probably not as good, you know, then, then we may do something different. But I think, you know, if you ask my offensive coordinator right now, he'll, coordinator right now, he'll tell you that, that his favorite play in the history of, of football is quarterback counter. But he believes in it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's his play, and he's got the answers to it, and he knows, he knows what he feels good about. And, and he calls it with confidence and installs it with confidence. And those kids pick up on that. So, um, so to say that there's one particular player scheme or whatever, there, there's really not. It just, it, it goes back to what can your guys do well, you know, cause I'm going to call what my guys do well a whole lot and what they don't do well, not very much. Yeah. I try not to anyway. <laughs> yeah. you know, we all overcomplicate this game, but if you can run, if you can run ISO and they can't stop it, well, why would you call anything else? <laughs> You know, I mean, I've, I've called it forever, and, yeah. and I've done that. I've, I've gone into games and called the same play eight, ten times in a row, and my coach said, Coach, we can do anything different. I said, why? You know, <laughs> if, 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 if they're not stopping it, I'm going to run it, you know. Yeah. So um, so really, and like I said, I was being flippant and trying to be funny. That's not always a good thing. But the, my favorite player scheme is the one that my kids do the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that's a good that's a good play. That's that's the right play yeah, to call. And it's you know, a great I, you know, play. You know, when, when I coached when I coached uh, defensive backs uh, a long time ago, you know, we always in the defensive meet, in meeting rooms, you always have the saying, you know, well, you know, we'll give them the flats. They're not gonna they're not gonna you know just throw hitches all the way down the field. 
you know, and, and, you know, when I started coaching options, I said, well, why not? I mean, if you're going to give us a hit, we're going to throw the hits up and down the field until you adjust. We were playing, we were playing Tomball one time and, and those guys were, they were a four, three cover two team. And those three linebackers never got out of the box. And this is when everybody played 10 personnel. So we got into doubles and we threw hitches and I had one receiver catch like 27 inches <laughs> in a game. He'd catch it for five yards, get clobbered, get up. And it was second down and four, you know, and, and we went on about our business and we did it up and down the field. And, and it's your, your point is well-made. Why not? Yeah. You know, if they're going to give it to you. Why not? It, I think a lot of times, and now we're kind of delving off into some different areas, but I think a lot of times we overcomplicate things and trying to impress people on how intelligent we are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if it's, it's, uh, I don't know how many of us offensive gurus run the ball all the way down the field and then decide when we get on the five yard line, we got to throw the ball into the end zone. You know, sometimes just how about we keep doing what's, what's working until they make us do something different. You know, that, that to me is, is uh, a solid way to approach things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know, and that's that's one of my favorite things to do on on, on a Sunday or you know, work days when, you know, you're, you're thinking about what to do next week. And I always like to just go back at the stats and say, okay, well, what have we done that, that worked? You know, and and does yeah. it fit into this week's scheme? You know, and and there's no reason to sit there and, and try to create something new. I mean, if it's been working, then let's keep trying it. And if it works, let's this keep doing it. And why well, not? you know, and once you get something that's working, that gives you a a that gives you a uh, a point to now to now you have a home base, and now you can. You can add something to it. You can tweak it. You can run yeah. a double move off of it, or you can, you know, you can run a fake off it or a play action off it, whatever, whatever, you know, whichever one you're working. But you got to have something to go to. And then I go back to it again. And, and a common theme in a lot of things I do, Andres, is is what do they like? What are the kids like? Because mm-hmm. if the kids like it, they have confidence, they're going to be pretty good at it. Yeah. If they don't like it, so I'll ask my quarterback, hey, man, what do you want to run? What do you like here? Coach, I really like this. I don't like that. You know, I may call four verticals. Coach, I don't like four verticals, but I really like double slants. Well, run it because at least they believe in it. You know, yeah. and if they believe in it, their confidence level is high. Yeah. Yeah. And, and confidence is a very underrated part of, of, of the game of football. You know, that, that it is. We, we don't always work on or, or you know, uh, discuss much. But, yeah, it, it's a huge part of, of performance on, on game day. There's no doubt about it. But you, you're 100% correct, in my opinion. Now, you know, you, you, you know, you said you've, you've been, you've been doing this, you know, for a long time. And I know, you know, you've seen the pendulum swing back and forth, you know, with on and off the field stuff, but you know, right now, what are some, some current trends that you see in, in the high school game uh, and, and, and what direction do you think they're taking it? Well, I mean, you know, you could take that. That's a, that's a, like, such a really good question, but you could take that in a number of areas, you know, we can talk about the high school game, but you know, what has the impact of what's happening in the NFL and colleges doing, you know, with the NIL and, and a lack of commitment to one school and, you know, it's all about me and all those kind of things. Well, those influences are trickling down mm-hmm. into, in my opinion, into the high schools, you know, where, you know, you have kids that they may attend three or four different schools in their high school career where, you know, 10 years ago, that, that wasn't a phenomenon that we had to deal with. Um, so outside the game, I think that there are some societal factors that are really influencing the way our kids behave and, and you know, the commitment to, to uh, you know, the team and the, in the school and all that kind of stuff. I think those are big trends. I think within the game, I think the defensive coaches are really, really smart. I mean, they're really smart. And, and if, you know, we all come up with a brand new idea and it works for about four weeks, the next thing you know, somebody's got an answer. Yeah. And so that's become, 
that's become, you know, a, a different deal. And I think that, but I also think that, um, you know, say from a purely offensive perspective, you know, and here we, we, we probably run as many screens as anybody in America and to run a slow screen these days is darn near impossible, you know, because of the way defenses are, are essentially attaching some sort of man principles, you know, to cover in the back. I think that's a, now you can still run perimeter screens, mm-hmm. you know, just because now you've got some physical matchups and some numbers that you can play with, but those kind of things make it, uh, you know, they just, they, they take some things away and add some things to it. I think that, uh, and I think that'll be, this will be a constant forever that option principles are still manifesting themselves. They just don't look like they did in the seventies. You know, we talk about RPOs and zone reads and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It's just the option yep. is, is all we're doing. We're just given options in a different part of the field. So I think, but I think defenses are better now than ever at, at defending it, you know, uh, you know, so I think that's a trend that, that people are dealing with. I think that, that we could really see a, a rebound, you know, with some, with teams going to some more heavy run schemes, you know, with, with, with some insert principles and that kind of stuff like that to take advantage of defenses now that are primarily built with speed to take away, you know, but people playing out on the perimeter all day long. So, you know, I see that happening too. So, it's really, you know, if you'll notice, with a couple exceptions, if you start at the highest level and the professional level, scoring is down. Mm-hmm. It's it, Overall, it's hard to score because defenses have got so good, you know, at, at stopping offenses. And now, you get into colleges and some teams are still lighting it up. But I will tell you this, it's it's getting harder and harder to do so. If you don't have a multi-threaded quarterback or, or you don't have a dominant receiver or something like that, man, it gets tough. You know, you better, you better, you better come up with some pretty solid schemes. So, you know, the game is is ever evolving, but I don't think it's just the game. I think it's the game and society around us and how kids are, and how kids are changing their behaviors and those behaviors in, 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 in turn are changing how we deal with coaching and dealing with the game. And to that point, if, if, if I was coaching in 1980, which I was, right, I, 1984 I was coaching 1984 I would treat kids different than I do today mm-hmm. back in 1984 I told you to go do something you went and did it now I have to say hey this is why I want you to do it let me tell you why yeah you know this is how I want you to let me tell you why the kids now want to know why they'll still do it but they want to know why and not only that they're not only they want to know why they want to know well what does that do for me what if, yeah. you know so that that's to me is is you know some of the trends and things that I'm seeing yeah, no, and that's I think I think that's spot on. I think that you know the, the this whole idea of you know like I said of back you know thirty years ago of hey you know that person's an adult you trust you trust them because they're an adult like that that's that, that's no longer the case you know now, now it's it, no it's yeah. not uh, it's, it's almost it's like not, you know, no, as, as, as campus leaders we have to keep proving ourselves to new crop of kids exactly. because they, they they don't just blindly follow you just because you have the title of coach or because you stand in front of them in, in a classroom. And, you are a hundred percent correct, and you said it better than I did. I did. That's exactly what it is. You got to earn their trust every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, now you know, as you said, you you've been you've been at Side Creek for a long time. Um, you know, what, what are some things that that, uh, in your opinion, uh, are make the the Side Creek community special? Oh, it's that's 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 a terrific question. You know, the Side Creek community has changed dramatically 
uh, you know, we have at Side Creek, we have the highest mobility rate now in, in 2024. We have the highest mobility rate of any high school in Cypher ISD because wow. we have 60 different apartment complexes that feed into Cypress Creek High School. 60. Wow. You know, and so when I first got here in 2002, uh, you know, we had we had a very, very stable neighborhoods with almost no apartment dwellers anything like that right and so it was a different dynamic that being said we had phenomenal people back then and we have phenomenal people now they just have different priorities you know uh we deal now with a great deal more students who have single parent homes or multi-family homes uh living in a one single residence you know, and so we have we have those kind of issues. But what's been consistent over the years is the expectation by my principals, by our administration, by our district that we do well, that our kids behave, that our kids excel. And no matter what they do, there, there's no doubt about it. My community expects us to be good, you know, and, and now they're 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 realistic and they're patient and all that kind of stuff like that. But we're supposed to be competitive every time we walk out on the field. Mm-hmm. And, and that expectation is never going to go away. And I wouldn't want to coach someplace where I didn't have that expectation. But we've had, over the years, we've had phenomenal support by our administration. I mean, literally as good as you can ever ask. And, I, you know, that's not only at the central office, but also, you know, within my building. And we've had parents that are, they're willing to do whatever we ask them to do. You know, we just look different, yeah. you know, and, and that's all the deal about it is. And, and we've had, you know, consistency and, and, and enough, um, influx of new ideas with with some new coaches that uh, you know we've kind of stayed on the cutting edge but uh, you know it's not good enough at at Cy Creek for us to have just a good football program you know we've got to have our our girls basketball team is supposed to be good and our boys basketball team and our baseball team so our our people provide us the resources we need they they support the kids they do everything we ask them to do and then and, and they give us, you know, they give us all the support they possibly can. And, and I really cannot ask for a better place to be. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's great to hear. How many how many principals have you had in, in your time there? Oh, my gosh. I think I'm on my – it's either six or seven, <laughs> you know, six or seven. Because we had – like we had a principal leave mid-year one time, so we had kind of a, you know, a fill-in principal one time. Yeah. But every one of them has – and every one of them has got different personalities and different styles. But they, they've all been unbelievably supportive. And really, I think the trick was they said, hey, coach, I'm going to run the building. You run athletics. Yeah. Right. And if, and if we need to support each other, help each other out, let's 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 do that. And so that's always worked really, really, really well. And even to the point, like, for instance, when I interview people for jobs, it's not two separate interviews. The academic side and the athletic side don't do it separately. We do it together. Yeah. And yeah. so that, you know, we know that and once we finish with an interview with, with you know, said candidate, when, when he walks out there, we sit there and collaborate and say, hey, he'll do the job for me, but he won't do the job for you. Well, we move on. You know, so we try to make sure that that both sides are getting what they need to get. And and I don't know a whole lot of people do it that way, but it, it's been really, really, really successful for us. Yeah. That, and, and that goes back to what we talked about earlier about leadership of letting your people do their oh, job. Yeah. You know, the principal comes in and says, hey, you, 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 got, you got athletics. I'll, I'll trust you. And. You know, I'm, I'm here if you need me. You know. Exactly. Well, and, and, you know, we I tell every coach I hire, look, if, if our principal calls, it's not a matter of, well, I got things to do. You come running. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I mean, our job is support them. And I'm old school enough to believe that our job is to make them look good. Yeah. You know, and so as long as we keep doing that, because when we need help, they're going to come do everything they can to support us. So it's, it's been very, very productive, but I think that commitment to helping each other and, you know, the community at large and Cypher, you know, it provides all kinds of resources, but the community that supports and, and, and feeds into our campus like I said, they're, they're diverse now and changing. And if, and if you want to talk about a population of a school that looks exactly like the city of Houston, it's Side Creek. I mean, <laughs> exactly like the city of Houston. And um, it's been fun. It's been good. Yeah. No, I, I bet that's, that's, what, that's what you want. You, you want, you know, a community that you can, you can be able to embrace and be proud of. And, you know, so oh, yeah. that, that sounds. Oh, yeah. You know. Now, they'll drive you crazy sometimes. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who won't? Though? You know, that's, yeah. I, I, I often talk to people who, who you know, will say, "Oh, well, you know, that school has this, and that school has that." And say, "Man, every school is the same. We all got kids, we all got adults, and there's good and bad of all of them." You know, it's, uh, so you're exactly no, right. There, there is no green grass anywhere else. Every school you go to is gonna have problems. You know, you, that's you exactly have, right. You know, you're gonna have parent issues. Either you have too many parents involved or not enough parents involved. You know, pick one. <laughs> what, what, what do you want? What do you want? And I've had both ends of the spectrum in my tenure here, so it's all worked. It's all worked out. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, put, put you on the spot a little bit. You know, what's uh, something I love to, to talk to everybody about is you know, there, there's always a great deal of talent in the Houston area, and, and you've had your share of you know phenomenal athletes come through your place. Uh, who would you say are the top three high school players you've been able to watch in person? Oh my gosh, to watch in person! <laughs> Holy cow! You know, to narrow that down to the three would be unbelievably difficult, you know, but, um, golly, there, there was when I long time ago, long, long, long time ago when I, and I was at Langham Creek, there was a, you know, there were a couple of players at, at Cy Creek, you know, that we had to play against a kid named Sam Adams, who I think is in the hall of fame. I mean, (laughs) what do you do? You know, you, you can't stop him. If he didn't want to be blocked, you weren't going to be blocked. You know, I mean, he was unbelievable. You know, just could do some things that that uh, that nobody else could do. You know, mm-hmm. and so uh, he was fun to watch. You know, uh, what else am I thinking? Uh, who else? Uh, well, you know, we had a big offensive lineman who's still in the NFL right now, a kid named Cameron Fleming, who is the best uh, bad position blocker I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, you know, he plays tackle, but he's 6'6", about 3'30", you know, and has a degree from Stanford in aeronautical engineering and, and is literally a rocket scientist, and yet he's now vested fully and has two Super Bowl rings from playing with the Patriots, you know, in the, in the NFL. So he was – and I got to watch him every day. Yeah. You know, he, he was unbelievable. And, Ali, uh, Andrew Luck, watching him mm-hmm. play was phenomenal. I mean, just, just – unbelievable high school player and i am clearly missing a whole bunch of guys you know yeah. but if you talk about two or three guys but i mean there's been some cats that, that through the city of houston that are just you know they're just hard to, to beat we had a linebacker and, and i don't know if you were at northbrook when we played him josh white who was the, I, I just missed him yeah. yeah well good for you but <laughs> uh he was i mean he's as good a defensive player as i've ever been around Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. touchdown club defensive player of the year, and then you know went to LSU. Now he's at Baylor, and and the whole nine yards. But golly, Pete, yeah, I mean, those guys don't come along. I, I, I do remember seeing often. seeing film on him. Yeah, he, he was he was yeah. impressive for sure. 
we were really good defensive coaches when we had Josh <laughs> White's in the world, you know. So, uh, and like I said, I'm I'm just uh, I'm just picking out some guys that you know just within our area. But there's been so many guys that that you could literally, and if you could corner the market on the Greater Houston area alone, you know, you could you could put a team that could compete for the for the national championship every year. The problem is that every school in America is going to come recruit Houston. Yeah, you know, and that. <laughs> That kind of changes the dynamics, but those guys, I mean, I had a quarterback here named Chucky Keaton who was mm-hmm. yeah, unbelievable on the Heisman Trophy watch and, and all those kind of stuff like that. And Chucky was one of those kind of players who was, no, 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 hey, touchdown. You know, I mean, he was he was all <laughs> over the place, you know, and, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've had coaches tell me, Coach, we had him defended perfectly, and he mm-hmm. still got out of it. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's just – it's been an honor and a privilege to play in the league we play in. And it's, it's really good football. It's really difficult to be, to be good. You have to be really good. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and that, I mean, that kind of leads into my last question. That's kind of what, what the show originally was, was based on is, is, you know, the idea of, of Houston area football and how, how impressive it is and how fortunate we are to work here. And so, uh, you know, if you had to explain, you know, the legacy of Houston area football to somebody who's never been around it, how would you do that? Well, I've been blessed, uh, Andres, over the years. I've done a lot of work for USA football and all that kind of stuff like that. So I've got to know coaches from all over the country, you know, from Colorado to New Jersey to, to Washington State to, you know, Alabama to Florida. And they all ask the same thing. Everyone I'm asking the same thing. Is Texas football really what you see on TV? Is it really, you know, was it really, you know, that intense, that big of a deal? And I have to tell them every time, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it really is. And you guys don't understand you know, the, the requirements and the demands that, that Texas high school kids go through and Texas high school coaches go through and it, it, because they just don't have the perspective. I went and spoke at a clinic in Arkansas one time at their, with their version of coaching school. And I was invited into a room and there were seven or eight coaches and they were all talking about, they were saying, Hey man, I got two championships. I got four championships. I got six championships. And I felt like an idiot. When I walked in there, I said, oh, these must be the greatest coaches in the history of the world, right? Well, do, do you realize there's like in one division, there may be 16 teams in the whole division, in the whole state. You know, so they knew at the beginning of the season that four teams were going to be competing for it, and four of those head coaches were sitting in that room. And yeah. I had to try to explain to them, guys, there's 225 plus, you know, in one division in 6A, they're trying to kill each other every year, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they don't, they don't understand that because they don't, they don't live it you know there the fact that we have all of our coaches in the building and that in that we have multi-million dollar stadiums we play in and 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 all the resources that that you know that are provided to us and given to us and you know and if we don't do well enough they'll fire us mm-hmm. you know so it's <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a big dang deal so when when people ask me that question i, I have to explain it to them that way and even then they don't understand it until they live it until they come down and see it and then they go oh my god you know, I mean, now they start to understand, yeah. you know, about this. It's, it's almost, it's not quite college, but it's hard to say in some regards, if it's still high school, you know, we're kind of that, that next step, you know, where, you know, it, they, those people that, that don't know the, the ins and outs of it, have a very difficult time appreciating how difficult it is to be really good on a consistent basis in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know something that that I noticed, you know, early on was you know the fact that you know every spring, 
you know, you get these college coaches from schools you've never heard of, you know, but, but, yeah. but they, they've heard of you and, 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 you know, they're not, they know that there's going to be the Andrew Lux and, and the Vince Youngs around here, but, you know, they're not looking for those guys. They're looking for guys that, you know, just because they played for four years on a high school football team here in, in Houston or in Texas, they know that they can take them to, you know, whatever school they're at and they're going to be able to, to come in and, and compete and, and be successful because they've already established some of those things that they're going to be looking for uh, because of the, the level of competition that we have here. You know, and then again, that's oh, something I agree. That, it's a great testament to, to the way we do things that the fact that, I mean, you know, people from, you know, some small school in Iowa spending their resources to come down here and just talk to <laughs> high school coaches in, in the Houston area just to try to get whatever kids they can get. Well, and, and I think I ask coaches, ask recruiters all the time, and they'll say, when you when you get a kid that's graduated from a school, let's say in Houston, you know, and, and been in the program four years and he went to Acadia or went to a North Shore or went to, you know, whatever school you want to pick, and they say, when we get that kid to college, we know he knows the expectations of being a football player. Not somebody that enjoys the sport, but a committed football player. Now, you go to, say, Florida. They've got some phenomenal athletes in Florida. They may have more untapped upside, right? Mm -hmm. But the kid that comes out of one of our programs has been brought along about as far as he can be at that point in his life. He is about as good as he can be, and he's only looking to get better. You know, and, and, and so I think – we do as good a job, and the Greater Houston area doesn't have to take a backseat to anybody. We do as good a job of developing kids and getting them to a high level of performance as any city in the country. Yeah, very well said. That's and you know, again, we're the fortunate ones that, that like I've been here my whole career. You know, you you spent a couple of years in Giddings, but you know, for the most part, you've been here. And, uh, so yeah, we're, we're, I feel very very fortunate, very grateful to to get to be in this environment, get to, get to come work every day here. <laughs> Think about it now. There's about 200, what, 225, 230 of us, whatever the UIL decides that year. Uh -huh. There ain't many, <laughs> and there's a whole lot of people that like to do it. Yep. So uh, it's a pretty good gig. That's right. That's right. Well, Coach, uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I, I really appreciate you, you know, your wisdom, your insights, and, you know, I said, I've been able to work closely with you for the last four years, and, and it's been it's been a pleasure and an honor, you know, so uh, getting to have this conversation, getting to record this is, has been has been great for me. So uh, I want to thank you again for, you know, just for being a guest. And, of course, wish you all the best this offseason and, and this upcoming season. Uh, appreciate all that you do, Coach. Well, I, I do, too. I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. You can bear with me now. I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> but uh, anytime I can help, please don't hesitate to ask. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Have a good all one. All right now, Andres. If you have a recommendation for a guest to have on the Houston Coaches Podcast that can help us continue to impact young men and women through the power of positive coaching, please email your suggestion to houstoncoachespod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Coaches Houston and send us your suggestions there. You can catch a new episode every Friday on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Houston Coaches Podcast presented by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Our theme song is In the Battle of Good and Evil by Ryan Davis, a former high school football coach. Please subscribe to our show and leave us a review so we can continue to spread our message to a larger audience. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation about Houston area football and its impact on all those privileged to be a part of it.